If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look there today. Have you ever seen the movie John Q? It's a movie that stars Denzel Washington, and it's about Denzel who plays a father. And he finds out that his son is very sick, and he needs a heart transplant. But his insurance isn't going to pay for the surgery, and he can't afford the surgery, and the hospital isn't going to operate until the finances are in place. And so he does the only desperate thing he knows to do, and he takes the emergency room hostage. And the ransom is surgery for his son. The, the one thing that John Q's son needed and wanted is a heart. And the one thing his dad was willing to give him at all costs was his heart. See, God loves you so much. He loves me so much that he gave the heart of his own son for us. And the reason he did it was grace. In fact, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever really understand Scripture until we understand it's all a story about grace. I mean, grace is simply God giving us what we do not deserve. So God created the world. He didn't have to. God created you and me. He didn't have to. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. He didn't have to. And God offers each and every one of us who receive him as our Lord and Savior the opportunity to have eternal life in heaven with him. And again, he didn't have to. But he wants to. And it's all about grace. And so our scripture this morning, we're going to look at, tells us what God really wants from us. Well, we know what he gave us. Now he wants to see what he wants from us. See, Paul was on this journey, and he was taking up an offering for the needy saints in Jerusalem, and, and he went to the church in Corinth, and he was asking for them to contribute to this offering. But what Paul was really trying to explain to this church in Corinth is really about grace. And he uses this group of Christians in a place called Macedonia to illustrate what God really wants. See, God first wants us to know his grace. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. See, there's something special about the Macedonian Christians. They knew the grace of God. Now, they didn't just know about the grace of God. They knew the grace of God. And how did Paul know that they knew the grace of God? Verse 2. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. When somebody knows the grace of God, other people see it. They can see it in their gladness. They can see it in their giving. They can see it in their joy. Grace brings about that gladness. I mean, they, these Christians in Macedonia, they were under great affliction. They were under tremendous persecution. They were dirt poor, but they were deliriously joyful. I'm sure you've heard it said that you can be financially rich and spiritually poor. J. Paul Getty, 
died as the richest man in the world in his time. He had jets and houses and real estates and, and more money than a hundred men could spend in their lifetimes. He actually once said, if you can count your money, you're not rich. And when he died, he literally had no idea what he was worth. But here's something else J. Paul Getty said. I am the most miserable man in the world. You can be financially rich and spiritually poor. You can also be financially poor and spiritually rich. And that describes the Macedonian Christians. Their bank accounts were empty, but their joy was full. But another sign that they knew God's grace was, was not just the gladness in their hearts, but, but their giving. Giving is one visible sign of invisible grace. In fact, one way we can tell how close people are to God is how much we enjoy giving. And not just financially giving, but, but giving of ourselves, serving others, sharing our lives with others. There was a pastoral search committee that was appointed to find a new pastor for their church, and so they decided they were going to split up and each go hear different preachers, and then they would come back and report. So one man went to hear a particular pastor, and he came back, and he gave a report on the preacher's sermon. He said he had three points, and they were earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And another committee member said, well, how was the message? And he said, the first two points were outstanding, but the third point spoiled the whole sermon. <laughs> and I know that's how some people feel about giving, but, but not this Macedonian church. I love it in one version. It says they abounded in the riches of their liberality. They, they were very liberal in their giving. And now, as a conservative person, that word liberal kind of gives me a little... <laughs> but if there's one area in my life that I would love to be known as being liberal, it's in the area of giving. Because when I have a heart that wants to give instead of get, when I have a heart that wants to share instead of stash away, that's when we'll know that I know grace. God wants us to know his grace. He also wants us to share his grace. The amazing part behind these people was not just what they gave, it was how they gave. They gave in spite of affliction. I mean, listen again to verse 2. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This church was under deep persecution. They were in deep poverty. That, that word for poverty, it refers to a beggar that has nothing and has no hope of ever getting anything. That's poor. I mean, quite frankly, this was really the worst time for this church to take up an offering. All right, the stock market was down, the economy's in the tank, jobs are scarce, gas prices are rising, unemployment's growing. And this church had a list of, of reasons to give Paul on why they couldn't give. And had they done so, Paul would have said, yeah, I completely get it. I understand. But instead of giving excuses... They just gave. And they gave beyond their abilities. Verse 3. 
For I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. How did they do that? Well, when you give according to your abilities, what you're doing is depending on yourself. But when you give beyond your abilities, you're depending on God. And that's what the grace of God will do. The grace of God moves you from doing what you can by sight to doing what you can through faith. And when you come to know God's grace, God expects us to show his grace. He expects us to be reservoirs, not dams. You know the difference. A river flowing to a dam will die. But a river flowing through a reservoir continues to live. But far too many people never show God's grace. They never share God's grace. And that's why so many people never seek God's grace. So how do we know when we are showing God's grace to other people? It's when grace flows into our life and then it flows out of our lives through our joy, through our giving. When you see life through the lens of God's grace, you'll realize it's not getting, but giving is what makes our lives worthwhile. One of the most difficult financial times in our country was in the 1930s at the Great Depression. And in that time, there was a well-known wealthy man who gave unbelievably, sacrificially, and generously to the Lord's work. And when the, the stock market crashed, he lost everything he had. And somebody asked him, and they said, don't you wish that you still had all that money that you had given away? And the man said, well, absolutely not. In fact, all that I have left is what I've given away. And what I've given away will last forever. There's an old poem that says, Carve your name high in the shifting sands and the steadfast rocks defy decay. All that you hold in your cold, dead hands is what you've given away. God wants us to show his grace to others. He wants us to share his grace with others. And he wants us to grow in his grace. To be perfectly honest, the last part of this, this story is, is, is a little difficult to believe when you first read it, but it's pretty amazing. Here's what Paul said about the Macedonian Christians in verse 4. He said, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. They urgently pleaded, they begged us for the opportunity to share. Evidently, Paul gave them the excuse not to give. He gave them a way out from giving. It was kind of a reverse capital fundraising campaign. And he went to these people and asked them not to give. I mean, he understood that this church was under persecution. He understood they were in deep poverty. He understood what their situations were like. And he was letting them out of this. But amazingly, they didn't take no for an answer. This church was determined to get in on the blessing of giving to this offering. They literally were begging Paul to let them put something in. There was a story about a single woman, and she heard her pastor preach a marriage sermon one time. And the pastor said, God 
wants every man to have one woman. And he wants every woman to have one man. And when church was over, she went back down to the pastor and she was talking to him. And she said, I can't tell you how frustrated I was with your message today. He said, well, what part? And she said, the part where you said how God wants every man to have one woman and every woman to have one man. And he said, well, I, I believe that's God's plan. And I don't think you can improve upon it. And she said, oh, I don't want to improve upon it. I want to get in on it. See, the Macedonian Christians wanted to get in on the opportunity of giving this offering. They, they were begging Paul not, not to get out of it. They were begging Paul to let them in on it. And you know, oftentimes when it comes to giving, most Christians stop at nothing, but, but not these Christians, not this church. But that still wasn't the, the high point of the story because Paul really didn't expect much of a financial response. But this church went above and beyond what Paul wanted, and they gave what they knew God wanted. Verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us, keeping in God's will. See, that's growing in grace. Because not only does grace free us from our sins, it, it frees us from ourselves. Now, that one little phrase tells us what God really wants. Because God doesn't want anything we have. Right? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This, this is all his. He doesn't want stuff we have. God wants you. He wants me. He wants all that we are. I mean, it's pretty easy to give part of what you have when you've surrendered everything you are. One Bible scholar said, God is willing to take full responsibility for the life that is totally surrendered to him. When you surrender yourself totally to God, when you give him everything you are, God will take full responsibility for the rest of your life. I've learned when you commit yourself to helping meet other people's needs, God commits himself to helping meet your needs. And when you give God what he wants, you. God gives you what you need. And as you realize that, as you begin to live life as though it's true, that's when we really begin to grow in his grace. One of the highest honors that can be given to anyone in Germany is the Iron Cross. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of the Iron Cross, but Early in the 19th century, King Frederick William III of Prussia was carrying on this expensive war, and it was to defend the freedom of the Prussian people. But he didn't have enough money to finish the war, and so he came up with this idea, and he asked all of the women if they would turn in their silver and their gold jewelry so they could melt it down and create more money, and their country could continue the war. And at the same time, he was determined that for every gift of gold or silver that he received, he in return gave them this iron decoration in honor of what they had given. And history says the response was overwhelming. The people that received this gift of iron from the king prized it more than any of their former possessions. In fact, it became very fashionable in that day for women to wear no jewelry at all and instead just wear these iron decorations. And so it became the Order of the Iron Cross, 
the most exalted decoration of the German people was established. See, I think we need a generation of people that are willing to become members of the order of the cross of Jesus Christ. Who give all that they are to him. Because honestly, he's given everything he has to us. He gives us life. He gave us his son. He gives us eternal life. He gave it all. And so what God wants from us is us. That's what grace is all about. So this morning, as we close, let me just ask if that's what you desire. To give all that you are, to surrender all that you are to him. If that's what you desire, it begins right now.